Ryan Hoover is the vice president of global scouting for the Milwaukee Bucks. We sat down with Ryan on a busy and bustling afternoon in a hotel in downtown Milwaukee as the Bucks were in the midst of some major transactions leading up to the 2023-2024 season. Ryan shared with us about the work that he does as VP of Global Scouting. What does it look like to evaluate talent all over the world? He gave us a sense for his regular routines with other staff members and how they communicate with each other as they are searching for great talent for the Bucks. A very fascinating story to learn from Ryan as we recognize that the game itself, the NBA game especially, has undergone great change in recent years. The talent that makes up NBA rosters has become increasingly characterized by international talent. So Ryan's staff and his colleagues throughout the Bucks organization have become especially critical actors in helping the Bucks find the next great players. Much goes into the scouting work, so it was great to learn from Ryan about that. Also just want to note that Ryan's own story, his personal story of how he got into his work is fascinating and it highlights how his own coach stepped in at a critical turning point in Ryan's life and recognized what Ryan was going through and he responded accordingly. He responded by seizing the opportunity that he had that has led to some really great things for him. So we really appreciated joining Ryan in this conversation and learning about what does the work of a global scouting vice president do in the NBA. One question I want to start with is a very kind of technical question, which is we growing up in the U.S., we know what the pathway has been for a young basketball player. It's changing. It's always little differences, but traditionally it was, you know, you grow up playing hoops in school. Hopefully, I know you were a part of a great AAU program in Michigan. A lot of us have those opportunities to play for, uh, you know, opportunity comes through the AAU thing for college hoops. We play college basketball, and then we aspire to the pros. That's been this traditional pathway. In your role, you're working with global scouting, looking at it from the whole holistic perspective. I think a lot of us don't have an idea what the pathway looks like in other places. So can you give a sense for an elite young player, say in Serbia, 12-year-old, 14-year-old, great young player, what does his experience look like from age 14 to 18? Yeah. Uh, Peter, first of all, thank you so much for, for having me on. This is truly an honor and just grateful to be here. Um, you know, everyone's path, everyone's journey is, is so different, and that's, that's the beauty of this game, this sport, right? Um, there are so many different ways to enter the NBA, right? Um, but, a, but a kid from Serbia, um, you know, obviously from a, from a coaching standpoint, from a development standpoint, um, from his, his desire, his fire, his love and passion for the game of basketball, it has to be real. It has to be authentic. He has to want it. He wants to, he has to live in the gym. He has to smell the gym. He has to study the, gym, the, the game. Um, and obviously they have such a rich history of, of fantastic players uh, year in and year out. So, you know, just just 
being around the right people, um, spending time with the right people, uh, people that are passionate about the game of basketball. I, I would say for a, a guy like that, uh, a young man that's 13, 14, 15 years old, um, there's different tournaments that throughout the country of Serbia that will happen. And just like AAU programs, but often, often it's with their national team. And, you know, hey, look, no matter where you are in the world, if you can play, um, we will find you, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's always that saying, like if you're good enough, we'll find you. And so it doesn't matter if, you, if you're in Serbia, if you're in Hungary, if you're in Italy, if you're in Australia, like uh, a colleague and I, were, we just spent the last 10 days over in Australia um, watching this tournament called the Blitz. So, you know, we will, we will fly anywhere and everywhere um, to find the next uh, potential Milwaukee Buck with, with Milwaukee Bucks DNA. And I want to ask you more about that, about how you decide to go to Australia or how you know where to go, essentially. But um, so back to like the U.S. pipeline has traditionally been, you know, there were some advantages of it being a school attached in some ways in that there's a um, regularity to it. There's like a there's a timeline to it almost sure. that, you know, this kid is going to graduate high school in 2025 and then he's going to go to college for a year. Yep. And there's like a almost a predictability to sure. it. And, and even in AAU, as much as there's a lot of volatility there, there's there's that timeline and there's a certain known programs or certain big EYBL tournaments or right. whatever they are. Um, whether it's Serbia or another place where you spend a lot of time, you, you mentioned national team. Would a, young, would a young man like that get into a developmental system, run through the national program? Yeah, so Peter, fantastic question. So, so a lot of times these, these, these players are good enough that what it, what it is, is is the Real Madrid's and, and the Barcelona's of the world, mm-hmm. right? They have academies. Mm-hmm. And these players will, instead of going to college, and some of them still choose college, right? Um, it, depending on who their agent is, who finds the player first. Um, but often they will go to these different academies. And it's no different than, than college, right? It's very similar. Mm-hmm. But but it's it's like going to watch the JV and the varsity play, right? So you might watch the JV team, which is this academy team, right? And you might go watch a 13, 14, 15-year-old player who's already a pro. Like he is getting play, paid a, a real contract, and he is a, he is a pro at an early, early age. And, you know, they, they just – one of the biggest differences is, is from a player development standpoint um, – the coaches truly, truly teach the fundamentals at a, at just a different level because the coaching over there, they're, they're so passionate. And um, you see it when you watch European games. These guys are fiery and they are, you talk about details and cutting hard and, and passing the ball and um, just playing the right way and on many different levels. And so that's the difference. When you see some of these European players, you can tell, man, the the, the as we all know, the different elite players in our NBA today, most a lot of them are from Europe. And it's part of the reason is because they're being taught to play the right way at such an early age. So a bit of a ignorant question here. Uh, how do they get into the academy? Are they, if, if, you're, if you're a high enough level, say um, Barcelona recognizes that, Ryan, you're, you're so good and you're 14, we basically sign you. Um, you're not paying. We're paying you sure. to play in our academy as a 14-year-old. Sure. 
yeah. Again, like yeah. if you're good enough, yeah. we will find you, and an agent will find you. Uh, you know, a, a coach will find you and, and place you in the right spot um, for your career and for your development. So it is fascinating, Peter. Yeah. It's it really truly is. It's just it's very different than 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 the U.S. Um, what implications does that have for these young people? Like so. Basketball-wise, they're getting probably been better as a 15-year-old young Ryan in the Barcelona Academy is getting better, more detailed, more diligent preparation basketball. What about as a holistic person? You know, as you as you look at those young people, um, are they developing, maturing emotionally? They're away from their families. Like, what are the other implications for them? It's a great question. You you know, often these guys mature and grow up a little bit faster. Because to your point, like they are away from their families. And if, if it is the right program for, for the actual player and the family, then, you know, they, they go where the best, the best situation is for them and their family, you know. And a lot of, again, a lot of it depends on the agent and what the actual agent is, is, is painting the picture for this young man or woman, right? And it's happening for both sports, both, both men and, and women over there. So, um, you know these these academies they're real and they're growing and um you know the, the 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 attention to detail is incredible over there it is it is remarkable in terms of man they 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 are practicing two times a day and and working two three hours a day in the gym on the basics on the on the just player development um fundamentals of the game which you know often you know we, we got study hall and we have school and we got to be in school for eight hours a day, and you know it's just different in the U.S. and and, and, and over in Europe. So you, you you see a product on the court, a young a young guy. You go over, you see him, and fundamentals wise, he's probably more advanced than the 16 year old over here or the 15 year old over here. Um, how do you think about things like overuse injuries? Like the if I'm assuming again, if a young man is going in and starting heavy duty training as a 14 year old. All day long, all of that. Yeah, it happens. Long term. Yeah, sure, sure. Fantastic questions, and and we've, you know, there's been case studies done on this, and and it's a fantastic topic because whether you're playing overseas or you're playing in the U.S., these these players are um, playing four to five games a day, right? And it does take a wear and tear on on your your muscle development, your growth, your knees, your ankles, your your your. Obviously, you, you're injury prone to some extent because injuries happen, and, and yeah. they can happen at a young age um, if not monitored properly. Yeah. So I jumped right into the, all these questions about the international environment, but what about you? So you said you just got back from Australia. You're all over the place. Can you give us, as much as your work is very complex, just a general sense for how you spend the kind of the rhythms of your weeks and the rhythms of your year? Peter, obviously, you know, uh, very fortunate to, to work for an unbelievable boss in John Horst. And um, we've been together for seven years and, and, and we've done some special things, as you're aware of, of helping our scouting department is, is just a piece of, of painting the picture for John to make the right decisions. And um, we're very blessed to, to have a, a leader like him helping us navigate. But at the end of the day, he, he trusts us. He believes in us. He gives us the freedom to rock and do our job at the highest level. Um, and we have an unbelievable staff. Like our scouting department relies on, on former NBA players 
former college coaches. Um, you know, we, we got a young gentleman that's just absolutely grinded from the, from, from the bottom, working for free and, and has, has earned our trust and is doing a fantastic job. Um, his name is Peter Herman. So, you know, between Ronald Dupree, um, Peter Herman, Dave Babcock, we got a gentleman, Cornell David, who lives in Hungary. We have another gentleman, his name is, is, is Paolo Mata, who also lives in, in uh, uh, Italy. I mean, we have, we have such a diverse group. And, you know, Peter, we go out there and, and watch the world of basketball. And these guys are grinders. They love being in the gym, right? They're unbelievable connectors. And, you know, part of the job is that, right, is, is ability to sit down with a coaching staff, with a manager, and, and just really dive in and, and learn what players, what they're good at, their background, their intel, where do we need to go to see the next player, is it Asia, is it Africa, is it Australia, is it over in Europe, right? There's so many different markets now nowadays that are just growing. Like the world of basketball is growing and it's, and it's fascinating to be a part of. You guys are all over the place. So you, you literally have staff living all over the world. You and John here, how do you all communicate? What's your regular rhythms together, what, regular routines together? Peter, it's an awesome question. I, I would say the coolest thing about our group is, is we are... <laughs> so so connected almost too much right we were we were teasing actually yesterday because you know those guys in europe they're they're six hours ahead right Uh and some of them are eight whatever but at times like our phones are going off at two o'clock in the morning three o'clock in the morning four o'clock in the morning with information with very important information and so uh we were laughing about it yesterday just like damn man like woke up at three in the morning you know one of our scouts is, is texting us so so peter we have different channels in terms of constant communication. We have a, uh, an unbelievable database that we are constantly pouring information into. And, and again, right, it's, it's all the use of it is, is for John to, to paint the picture for John to make the best decision each and every day. This is probably too simplistic of a scenario, but let's say that you are in a gym yes. and you're in some, which you, I'm assuming you always are, in some part of the world, you're in some small gym and something pops off the court at you, and maybe it's not a super well-known guy or whatever. What's the first step? Like, all right, you're. It just you happened. You didn't expect to see this. You saw it. Just. What do you do, do, you do right then, Peter? It just happened. What, what just happened? Uh, last okay. week in Australia, we we were over there, and we had a a good pulse of players that we were looking at, and we walked away, and there was a. a a player that that absolutely just just blew us away, and often in those moments, um, <laughs> you 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 want to put them in a Milwaukee Bucks uniform immediately, right? But that's not the sure process. Not the sure, that's that's not the process. You you, you got to go through yeah. the draft, and this this young man, he's he's 19 years old, and um, just very skilled, very talented. Um, you know the process of what happens is, is I immediately let our, our scouting group knows, right? That we need to um, watch him closely, study him, ask the proper questions, watch his games, learn his family members, his background, his, his you know, who his, his eighth grade coach was, right? I mean, we dive in so thoroughly and, and something I'm very, very, very proud of our group, but the background and intel on these players is, is critical. And, you got to know who they are inside and out before they're they're walking into our program, right? And you know, for us, when we are out, like 
our biggest question immediately is, is he good enough to play with Drew, Chris, Giannis, Brooke, right? Like, could, can he fit our system, right? Is it, can he fit Coach Griffin's system? And so um, that's kind of how it goes. And, and we send messages to each other and we write up, you know, uh, very detailed reports and we put them on our database and they're there when, when John needs to look at them. But, um, you know, our, our John is very well aware of when we, we like a guy. That's, are you, that's for sure. Are you literally talking to you or members of your staff, talking to family members, talking to coaches? Like, what's the uh, yeah. level of granularity you get into with these that type of situation? Yeah, so we're not allowed to talk to, to family members. Oh, okay. um, we are allowed to talk to agents. We're allowed to talk to their coaches. We're allowed to talk to the managers, the ball boys, the janitors, you know, the equipment guys, the security guys. You're, you're literally doing all Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Wow. I mean, it's, it's such a huge piece of... You know, how does he treat you, right? Mm-hmm. Does he have humility? Is he humble, hungry, and smart? Are, are three phases that, three words that we use so often as far as defining a, a person, whether we're drafting a player, or a, a finding a free agent, whether we're making a trade, we're bringing in a staff member, the, the three phrases that we use so, so often, and, and they're very powerful to us, are humble, hungry, and smart. How do you, there's so much information how do you organize it? You know, I, you said you have a great database. Sure. But again, let's say that you're the case and we have Ryan and we've got interviews, we've got game data, yeah. we've got physical data, um, all the new kind of advanced analytic stuff. What do you boil that down into for John or for others in the organization? Yeah, you, you know, that's why you have an amazing staff, right? That <laughs> we are blessed beyond blessed, but we have, we have such a great staff that is able to, to simplify, to clean it all up, and present it in a way that is easy, that is clean, that is direct, that is, um, you're able to see, and, and John is immediately able to say, okay, got it, all right, mm-hmm. all right I know mm-hmm. what I'm looking at, okay. So from a medical standpoint, from a PI standpoint, from a uh, injury, like all, all of this plays a huge, huge factor anytime we make a decision on a player. There was this period years ago where it seemed like um it seemed like San Antonio was really like international more than a lot of other teams. Sure. I'm sure there are other teams as well. Sure. But now it seems to be a, a league-wide thing. Like it just the doors have opened and it's very much um, across the league. Sure. Is there anything that distinguishes the Bucks with regard to looking at global talent, or is this just something that's kind of widespread across the league yeah. now? Peter, I, you know, every organization, every program is different, and. Um, we have such a deep appreciation um, of such a rich history. And so we spend, Peter, we're over there at least from, from our group here in Milwaukee. I mean, I'm, I'm, I would say we're over there every month during the season, right? Um, somebody from our organization, right? Let alone our scouts who live all mm-hmm. over the world. I mean, we are traveling global um, consistently. So... You know, Africa is a, is a country that is coming. And, you know, John, one of the first things he did when, when um, he hired me for the job was challenge me to find a, an African scout. Well, we, we found a, a, a special, special gentleman that knows the African market very, very well. And, and so it's, it's one of the, the, the spots and places that, you know, we, we aren't taking lightly and we understand there's a lot of talent in Africa. So it's growing. And so... Mm-hmm. Um, I would just say, you know, that's 
that's a huge piece of, mm -hmm. of how we grow and build and, and, and operate. I know every, every player that you bring in is a huge investment for the organization, like not just what you're paying him, but just the whole deal, like what he brings to the team. So there's always risk with every pick. Um, how much do you look into like, when it comes to like risk mitigation in, in terms of saying like, okay, there's one thing for me to find this great player in, in Africa, physically as a player off the charts, almost no doubt about it. But then there's like the pragmatics of making it happen. Like literally kind of the cultural adjustment to come into a new country, the support system. Does that play into your, your work? And Huge. How, how do you talk about that? Huge. You know, uh, <laughs> Peter, John and I were both very fortunate. We worked for a Hall of Famer in, in, in Joe Dumars back in the day in Detroit. And he would, he would always share with us, in this job, you can't be scared, right? Can't be scared to take risks. If you want to be great, you, you sometimes have to go against the grain. And it's something that we discuss on a, on a daily, right? Like, we understand we have once-in-a-lifetime type player in Giannis. We understand our window of winning a, a, an NBA championship it's, it's not very long. And so when we go out there, we try to find the right players that we're able to implement, whether we have some medical questions, right? Whether we have some background questions, like those are all stuff that, that you have to look at and, and dissect and really break down. But at the end of the day, Peter, like when you look at a roster, an NBA roster, like the teams that win championships, they're not all choir boys, right? So you can't have a bunch of just unbelievable, great human beings. Sometimes you got to have a joker in your deck, mm -hmm. and you got you got to be you can't be scared to go get that guy that you know might yell at a referee and might yell at a coach and you know might have some off the court issues that you're a little bit concerned about. But you're, it's something that we discuss and we dive in and, and we address with the player the the, the, the second we you know, go and grab him, right? So the plan when bringing a player over is not just like, how does he fit into our op offensive scheme? It's like, how do, how does this player, how do we support this player? Absolutely. Help this player thrive so that he can help us thrive as a team. Yes. Uh, two, two more questions for you, Ryan. One is, um, you know, the more and more that we see the superstars like Giannis here or, um, Jokic or all, all the go team by team have you seen the um, kind of emergence of all these superstars in the NBA change the way the game is played back where they're from in other words I know like the commercial appeal has exploded overseas for the NBA a lot of people are fans but has it actually changed the way that the game is played yeah you know Great question. Wow, Peter, that's fantastic. I would just say this. The game is changing every single year, right? Like, life is inevitable. Like, change is, is going to happen regardless. And so what you're continuing to see is, is length, size, athleticism, speed. You know, you know, guys that are shooting, you know, 10 feet behind the three-point line consistently, right? Like, the, just the, the, the pace of the game um, every single year, like – coaches are, are so brilliant in that like their schemes and their offensive mind and the defensive mind like new schemes are coming up that like we haven't seen before right and the the data and the analytics that back it up it's fascinating so yeah I would say from from a European standpoint like the game is changing regardless whether mm -hmm. it's from from the European side or or the guys here in America I mean the game is just it's 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 fun to watch it's 
guys that are um, uh, faster and stronger and, mm -hmm. and wiser and studying more and there's more information that these guys are able to receive so quick, so fast, and, and it helps everybody. Actually, I'd like to finish with a, kind of coming back to a personal thing. Sure. And, and a lot of our people where we're coming from are a lot of young people who are, you know, they're competing now, whether they're still playing college sports or they're trying to make it in pro sports. Um, and for most, we know most, it doesn't end up being something that is a long-term professional thing. Sure. And uh, some of them face setbacks. You know, they face like an injury, uh, whether, you know, physical injury, a mental health thing, or something else happens that the, the, the sport journey doesn't go the way they thought. And at those times, we've, in our group, we've talked about these as turning points when people can come into that space and make a difference. Yeah. And people can kind of look the other way and say, nice having you. And I know you have had a kind of profound story of something like that happening when you were, you were a basketball player. I know you've told the story a lot, but do you mind just giving us the broad outline of what happened when you were playing hoops and the role that your coach had. I hate talking about myself, Peter, but I'll, I'll do my best here. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, was, I was fortunate. I, I played at a, a small Division One school in Michigan called Oakland University. I have, a, uh, in my mind, a Hall of Fame coach coaching me. He's been there. He's the longest Division One coach, I want to say, in history right now. Um, but his name's Greg Campy. He's legendary. He's old school. He comes from the Bobby Knight type mindset um, and so uh, long story short I, I shattered my navicular your navicular is on top of your foot uh, my junior year so I had surgery going into my junior year I lived on cortisone shots just to be pain-free my senior year I come in I'm unable to play just because my injury is still lingering and still bothering me and and coach just looked at me one day and said what do you want to do and then I said coach I, I would love your job one day and he smiled he said okay great I'll have you a student assistant coach. You'll stay on staff. I want you, I want you around. I want you, you know, developing players and pouring into our guys, and uh, it'll be great, right? So, sure enough, Peter, the very next day, he grabbed me and said, "I got an opportunity for you." I said, "What do you mean?" He said, "I want you to call this guy." He handed me a business card, and you know, growing up, you always hear like, "Ask for somebody's business card," but then you never follow up. And I think what such a, a big thing for this next generation is is we're missing handwritten notes and the follow-ups of business cards and the importance and what it means to do that and so uh i wrote this gentleman a, a note his name was pat sullivan pat sullivan played at the uh, university of north carolina pat sullivan at the time was the head video coordinator for the detroit pistons the head coach at that time was larry brown and my head coach, Greg Campy, went into practice. It was training camp and just went to say hello. He already had some, some uh, relationships with those guys. And they walked over to him and said, hey, coach, we need an intern. And an intern that's, you know, no job's too big, no job's too small, truly, like, just loves the game of basketball, humble guy, somebody that we could trust. And coach looked at Coach Brown and said, I got the guy. So long story short, uh, Peter, you know, uh, I reached out to Pat Sullivan, who, again, was the head video coordinator of the Detroit Pistons at the time, and I, I, I caught a break. Um, I got an internship with the Pistons. I worked for free for two years to keep my mom and dad off my back. I was substitute teaching, and so I, I figured it out, and I, I was fortunate. I, uh, you know, the saying 
of you stay in a barbershop long enough, you'll get a haircut. And that's what I did, Peter. I, I was around the office. I, whatever needed to be done, whether it was picking up food, you know, uh, cleaning a floor, uh, cleaning a bathroom, um, breaking down film. Like I was, I was, I was fortunate to, to be in the right place at the right time with the right people that invested in me, that poured in into me, that believed in me. Um, and, and it took my love for the game of basketball to another level. And so, you know, 21 years later, I've had so many different roles. Um, I was on the basketball side for 11 years. Then I moved over to the business side for, for three years. Um, and then now I'm back on the be- basketball side for the last seven. And so I've been blessed to win two NBA championships. Um, I've been to three NBA finals. I've been to seven Eastern, Con- or seven Eastern Conference finals. So I've been blessed beyond blessed. And but it's because of the great people. It's because of Coach Campy seeing something and believing in me. It's because of Larry Brown and his coaching staff and then Joe Dumars. And, you know, it's, it's all about the people that you connect yourself with that gives you a chance and, and just believes in you. So um, I've been very blessed. Well, it's a great uh, way to finish in that. It, I, hear, I hear two things. I hear those people, but I hear your agency as well, that you acted upon it, you know, and you had people around you who supported, recognized you, but then... And they stepped in at critical moments, but then you acted upon it. And uh, so that's a great story. So thank thank you. you. Thank you, Peter.